Hi, this is Pastor Paul J. Chandran, and you're listening to Life Church Castle Hill Podcast. If you take a step back and look at Ecclesiastes, the first seven chapters, the first six chapters deals with two key questions. Why is life frustrating and where does life come from? From chapter seven, which we studied two weeks ago, we discussed about how life ought to be lived. And what Solomon does is he puts God into the equation of life and he examines life and he says there are two ways to live life, life under the sun and life under the hand of God. And wonderfully he states in chapter 7 that we need wisdom of God to live life. Now in chapter 8, so this section from chapter 7 all the way to chapter 11 address only one key question. The key question is how life ought to be lived. It discusses the stewardship of life. And indeed, chapter 7 began by putting wisdom into our lives, applying wisdom into our lives. What is wisdom? Wisdom is an uncommon common sense. Wisdom is learning how to balance the tensions in life. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge at the appropriate time, in the appropriate manner, so that you are able to walk in prudence, in discernment, and as a result, you grow in spiritual maturity. Listen to me carefully. Chapter 8 deals with an important aspect in the life of a disciple. When I look at a disciple's life, I look at the disciple's life like this. There are authorities that are placed in a, over us. And we need to know how to relate to these authorities. Because one of the key premises that Solomon addresses here in chapter 8 is, if you do not know how to walk carefully or how to walk wisely before an earthly king, how will you walk carefully and wisely before the ultimate king, God himself? And chapter 8 deals with this one thing. I want to call this whole chapter as the boss chapter. But because it is such a huge message, I don't want to take, I don't want to rush it and I don't want to finish it too late. I want to keep it to two parts. So this morning we're going to study part one of chapter eight and next Sunday, God willing, we will study part two of chapter eight. Now, chapter eight can be called the boss chapter. Why? Because it deals with how we relate to people in authority. And ultimately, how do we relate to God himself? And that is the lens through which I want you to see this one chapter, chapter 8. Now, the two parts that it can be divided like this. The first part is chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. And second part is chapter 8, verse 11 to verse 17. Now, when you look at these two parts, you will clearly see that the first part of it, verse 1 to verse 10, he deals with how we relate to an earthly king. Now, When you study what Solomon is writing, you and I need to understand this in three different ways. I want you to put this lenses so that you and I can study the text together and appreciate the beautiful wisdom that he brings in. The three lenses that he through which he looks at how we relate to authority. This is how it is. Number one, he looks at it historically. So when you study this historically, Solomon was living in a time when there were earthly kings. And Solomon, in his wisdom, he observes and he writes, there is a way, there is a proper way, there is a time, and there is a procedure, there is a manner in which you relate to your earthly king. And that, historically, you could learn. Secondly, he also turns this into theological perspective. He says, theologically speaking, you and I, we need to know how to walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. If you walk so carefully before an earthly king, how much more you would with the ultimate king, God himself. And third lens is a personal lens. In this personal lens, he's actually addressing, we are actually people who are placed under authority. As a child, you grow under the authority of your parents. As a wife, you submit to the authority of your husband. As a, as a mutual submission in a household. Not only that, as a household, you submit to a pastor or a spiritual leader over your lives. Or there is a, in a community, there is a relationship that you have where people are placed in authority over you. When you go to workplace, you relate to a boss that has an authority over you. So Solomon observes this and he says, we are people who are living under authority, so we should learn to apply wisdom in our relationships with authority. Let me give you three words for you to write down. The three words are leadership, relationships, and stewardship. 
you and I, we need to understand that every relationship that we have in life is a stewardship of God. It's a stewardship. It's a gift that God has given us. So whether it's an earthly relationship at home, whether it's a relationship of work and professional relationship at workplace, it is still a stewardship. And especially not only that relationship is a stewardship, how we relate to our leadership over our lives is an issue of stewardship. So we need to learn to apply wisdom. That's why studying chapter 8 is fundamental and vital for us. I want you to go with me to chapter 8 and verse 1. This is what Solomon observes. He says, who is like the wise? A man's wisdom and knows who knows the interpretation of a thing. Let me, say, let me read that again. Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of of a thing. Firstly, when Solomon asked this question, this is the key question that unlocks the first 10 verses. Who is like the wise? He's not giving you a description of who the wise is. He's not defining to you what a wise person, who a wise person is, but rather he's comparing, he's using a, a, a different lens. He says, who is like the wise? And so he's going to give us an explanation of how the wise carries themselves in the relationships of authority in their life. A woman went to a, a doctor, um, actually um, um, a counselor, and the woman went to the counselor and said, my husband and I, we have lots of quarrel and he always gets upset with me and we carry on this this." Uh, uh, this intense dialogue and, and, and as a result, our marriage is always, you know, hanging by a thread. I want to know how to deal with my husband. So the wise counselor gave her a counsel. He said, every time your husband is unreasonable, he's irritable and he's angry at you and he's, uh, he's hurling all these words at you. I want you to do something. Just take a cup of water, sip it and then swish around this water in your mouth. Let the water just keep swishing around. Uh, when he keeps talking, you just swish around. You don't do anything except don't swallow it, just swish around. And once he is fully calm and all he leaves the room, then you can drink that water, swallow it. A week later, the woman came back to the counselor and said, that was a brilliant advice. Indeed, all the quarrels in our house is very short now. It's all stops and we are in a better place in our marriage. I didn't know the power of swishing water. What is the magic in this? The counselor wisely said, there's no magic in this. The problem was solved because you kept your mouth shut. That's all it is. What Solomon is saying is, there is a manner in which you conduct your life. And that manner in which you carry yourself will display wisdom, especially in your relationships with, to people in authority. And this is what he says here, that you and I, we need this wisdom in our lives. Who's like the wise? In chapter 7, he already discussed who the wise is. The wise are people who know how to apply wisdom. They know how to apply the right knowledge for insightful living. They also know how to conduct themselves in scenarios where other people will fail miserably. So listen to me carefully. So this is what he's trying to expound in chapter 8. So let's go to verse 1, the second part. The second part, I want to I give you five key principles for us to understand how to relate to people in authority. That's what Solomon explains here. The first one is, the first principle is guard your spirit. Guard your spirit. A man's wisdom makes his face shine. And the hardness of his face is changed. I want you to pay attention to these two lines. The man's wisdom makes his face shine. In other words, there is a countenance change. And then it says, the man's wisdom not only makes his face shine, but the hardness of his face is changed. When you read that phrase, the hardness of his face... What he is trying to explain is, the word there in the Hebrew is a word for stone face. It's actually someone who has a, uh, what do you call it, uh, an imprudent face, like a foolish face or an angry face. And he, it's not talking about the, 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 you know, the muscular structure, the jaw structure. He's not talking about the bone structure. He's actually saying that person's face is like a stone. 
In other words, there is a, a display of anger. How many of you know, when you are emotionally charged, it shows up in your face? Especially when things are going on in your life that you're unhappy about, you're disappointed about, frustrated, irritated. It shows up in your face. And that's exactly what he's saying. A man's wisdom makes his face shine, but the hardness of his face is changed. Why is this the case? Why does a soul become so churned? And why does a face reflect that and become so uh, like a hardness of the face? The reason is because he takes you to verse 9. I want you to pay attention to verse 9 because that's the problem that Solomon is trying to address here. In, in chapter uh, 8 and verse 9, it says that I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. When man had power over man to his own hurt. Listen, man has power over another man to his own hurt, in, to his hurt. In other words, when earthly relationships, when we are created equal in the eyes of God, but yet we are placed in authority. Man is placed in authority over someone else. Maybe it is a father over children, or maybe it is a husband over the wife, or maybe it is the, it is the boss over the employees. There is a structure of authority, and sometimes these men who are in positions of authority, they abuse the power that is given to them. They are not walking in a manner pleasing to the Lord. They don't understand the stewardship and the responsibility they carry. So there is injustice that is done. So here, the man had hurt his uh, people that he's, uh, he's, uh, that is placed oh, under him. And therefore, Solomon observes this and he goes on to say in verse 1, when you see these kind of things, it kind of irritates you. It kind of bothers you. There is, you can't take that anymore, that sense of injustice. So what do you do? It shows up in your face. But now he says, it, it affects your spirit, but don't let it affect. Why? Because people of wisdom, they will live with the, that kind of inconsistencies of life, tensions of life, and they will still learn to apply wisdom there. The man's wisdom changes his face. The hardness of the face is changed. It makes his face shine. When I look at life, I've been a pastor who makes disciples for a long time. As I journey with people, I observe that people who go through a very painful situation, especially when they have experienced an abuse or a relationship that, had, that was supposed to be sacred, but the lines have been crossed and people go through so much hurt and pain. And when you see those wounded souls, they are very angry, they're upset, they want justice. And sometimes justice doesn't happen. So what happens? They become very bitter and they become very, um, in, in that sense, they, they become hard. There is a hardness of heart that happens. But can I humbly say this? That is the way of the world. That is how the world deals with it under the sun. But under the hand of God, you and I as people of God, we understand there is a God in heaven who is sovereign over our lives. So how do we deal with situations where injustice has happened to us with people in authority? How do we deal with it? Can I give you four key spirits that we need to carry in this situation? Because when I look at a person's life, the person is a spirit. God created us as a spirit being. And as a spirit being, we, if we, the spirit makes men. We need to guard the spirit. The Bible says in the Old Testament, Joshua and Caleb had, had, a, had, a, had a different spirit, had a spirit of faith upon their lives. Daniel, the Bible says, had an excellent spirit. It is the spirit that makes people. So you and I, we need to make sure that our spirit is guarded. You know, one of my mentors used to say, um, when, when you walk into an elevator and it's crowded and, sudden, and, and, it's, uh, and you have to be there for, say, 10 or 15 store, uh, story height and, uh, and suddenly someone let go, what would happen? That stench will hit you and suddenly you can't escape from there. You've been, you, you, it's something, it disturbs you. Can I humbly say this? This is what happens many times in our lives when we are carrying a wounded spirit, wherever we go, we are actually letting go. We are actually making other people also corrupted and defiled 
because we carry within us that hurt that hasn't been dealt with. So I want you to listen to me, especially when you're sitting down with a gossiper who gossips a lot about other people and give you all the dirty laundry about people. It disturbs your spirit. And that's why I'm saying to you, when people are upset, they usually have this spirit that is so contaminated that it's because there's wounds that need to be healed, that hasn't been healed, that are unfinished business in their life. So you and I, we need to watch how we operate. So when you examine, when you're in a relationship, when you're in a relationship of authority, where you're placed under a person who has a certain kind of, uh, he's doing injustice, he's not doing the right thing. What One of the core things I want you to understand is, Solomon says, you maintain your spirit, you guard your spirit, don't let it be affected. So how? Let me give you four things. Number one, the first is a reverent spirit. What is a reverent spirit? Understand that you and I need to walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord. No matter what situation we are going through, we need to function as a believer, as a disciple of Christ, following the model of Christ. We need to walk in a manner that pleases him. So the posture of our heart has to be reverence unto the Lord. That's the first one. The second spirit is develop a grateful spirit. Because you and I, we need to understand there are people who look at their life and they complain. All the time they complain. They're critical of anyone and everyone. And they compare themselves with other people who are doing better. And they feel ungrateful. But the way of wisdom is a way to develop a grateful spirit. Where you go before God and you say, Lord, I thank you for placing me here. I know that you're doing a deep work within my life. And you will fulfill these things for the glory of God and for for my own good in the long run. Come before God with a grateful spirit. Number three, that you develop a servant spirit. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you can always ask God this. How do I carry myself in a manner that pleases God? And how do I serve, best serve the purposes of God in this situation? What if you're, what if you're placed in a workplace where there, there is unreasonable expectations placed upon you? You still go before God and say, Lord, I, re- I have a reverent spirit. I know that you're placing me for your glory and for my good. Help me Get, develop a grateful spirit and carry that servant spirit that says, how can I best serve the purposes of God even in this situation? Finally, can I say this? Carry a humble spirit because when you're proud, You want to retaliate. You want to take revenge. You want to find and seek justice. But leave the justice to the Lord. Come before the Lord and say, Lord, let me humble myself. And that is exactly what Solomon says. Solomon says, when you are relating to someone in authority... You, 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 there are, there are men who, who, who doesn't know how, what to do and they hurt you. So what you need to do in that situation is to learn, learn. Do not let the hardness of face, but rather let the hardness of face be changed. Let that stone face be changed, that there is a wisdom that carries and makes your face shine. Firstly, guard your spirit. The second thing that he says in how we relate to people in authority in our lives, not only guard your spirit, number two, walk in submission. Look at verse 2. He says, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. I want you to pay attention to this. Keep the king's command. He's talking about how we walk in submission to an earthly king's command. And then he gives the reason why. The purpose is because of God's oath to him. See, it is historical background. Let me give you this. In, in the olden days, when a territory is occupied by a new king, the new king will then ask the old king, the previous king, to pledge allegiance to him. And one of the way he will ask him to pledge allegiance is that he will ask him or her to come and declare, to declare that you from now on will be loyal to me, will submit to me and submit to my authority. And they will submit to his or her authority. How? By pledging allegiance before God. We don't do this these days, isn't it? Imagine if you go to a workplace and after the job interview is over, the boss pulls you aside and says, okay, I'm going to give you the job today, but can I ask you, would you submit to my authority? Can you take an oath uh, to say in the, in, the, in the name of your God that you will submit to me? Or can you swear that you will submit to me? No, we don't do that. We don't do that in church. We don't do that in the workplace. Why? But the Bible says that is what they did. 
even if you don't do it, even if you're not verbally asked these things, the Bible says you and I know that we ought to know how to submit to people in authority. And that is the whole point Solomon's trying to make. Why? Because you submit to king. Why? The king is submitted. He has taken an oath in the name of God. So you submit to him. So here he says submission. Now, in this day and age, submission is a dirty word, isn't it? You know, many people will think of submission and they go, no, we don't. Uh, why, 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 why do we need to submit to authorities? It robs us of our individuality. Can I humbly say? Actually, when you submit, that's when you become really glorious. You not only honor God, but you actually become a person who's attracted, who are attractive to the favor of God. Let me highlight this. The Bible says that you and I need to learn to submit. Do you know the reason why God places us in families? It's because within the family environment, we learn, children learn to submit to their parents. And there is an exercise of mutual submission between husband and wife. They learn to submit. But when there is a, when there is a dysfunctional structure of authority, that means parents are not exercising the spiritual leadership over the children in a right manner and children don't yield themselves and submit themselves to the parents. It ends up in chaos. So if a child doesn't learn how to submit at home, he is taught submission in the classroom, in the school. But if, he, if a child is rebellious at heart and doesn't want to submit and, and learn submission in the school, one day society has to teach him how to be submissive by incarcerating him. Listen to me carefully. Everything is designed for us to learn this one precious truth in our lives that we are called to walk in submission. If you cannot walk in submission with your earthly authorities, how will you ultimately walk in submission to the ultimate authority, which is God? You and I, we need to understand that God places us in environments where we got to exercise that spirit of submission. But the reason why it goes against the grain of our flesh, the reason why we resent submission is because of twofold problems that is found in the human spirit. Let me give you these twofold. Write this down. One, it is unbelief. Unbelief because you and I don't believe that God is actually doing something in that situation within our lives. We find, we come, sometimes we forget that God is sovereign over our lives, that he's in charge over every people that he places in our lives. So therefore, if he allows a circumstance or a situation that we, it is for our good, we forget that. Therefore, there is unbelief. We don't trust in the sovereignty of God. We don't trust in the goodness of God. So we take matters in our own hand and we rebel and not yield and not submit. The second problem I find in the human spirit is pride. Pride because we, we, we kind of have a heightened sense of justice. Oh, my opinions are right. I, I, I know better. Therefore, I must challenge my leader. Can I humbly say this? These two things are fundamental problems in our human spirit that needs to be dealt with. So what is wisdom here? Solomon applies the wisdom here and he says, when you want to relate to people in authority, number one, guard your spirit. Develop that reverence, reverential spirit, a reverent spirit, a grateful spirit, a humble spirit, a servant spirit, and learn to submit. Let go of your pride and your ego. See, can you see the beautiful picture of wisdom here? Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to balance yourself, knowing how to not compromise, not, how, not, not become too angry and, and walk away from things from situations, but rather stay in a humble posture and let God do his deep work in our lives. That's why we need wisdom. But while you're hearing this, you might say, Pastor, does that mean I just allow people to use me like a doormat, walk all over me? Can I humbly say this? You don't need to become a doormat. If you walk in wisdom and if you truly fear God and walk in reverence before God, he will not allow that. But let me highlight this anyway. But just because you have that fear doesn't mean that you take matters in your own hand and start dishonoring things in your life. When I carefully study people's lives, the tragedies usually that mark a person's life, the tragedies, see these are pivotal events, crisis, deep valley moments. Those things are usually, hap they happen in their life because they fail to honor something 
or someone in their life. Let me give you a principle. When you all, all tragedies in life can be traced to a failure of honoring something or someone. When you dishonor, you actually truncate the process. You disconnect from a place where you need to be connected because pride takes over. And that is why wisdom is necessary. If you want to be a person of purpose, if you want to be a person who fulfills and finds meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment in life and fulfill the destiny that God has for your life, learn this one truth, the precious truth. It is number one, guard your spirit even when injustices are done. Number two, walk in submission. Learn to honor and walk in submission. But, but there is a place for you to recognize this. Is this submission at all cost? Let me highlight this, the third point. This is what Solomon says. In verse 3 and verse 4, he is giving us the five principles on how to relate to authority. In verse 3 and verse 4, he says this, Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, What are you doing? Listen. What a beautiful passage of scripture here. He says, be not, be, be not hasty to go from his presence. You know, one of the things that you and I need to understand is when, when things are too upsetting for you in an environment, the first response that human beings always do is either fight or flight. And in this case, they leave the workplace if the boss is hard on them. They leave a marriage if the marriage is difficult. Can I humbly say this? Wisdom says, do not be in a hurry to go from his presence. What does that mean? Don't jump from job to job. Sometimes, if you just keep jumping from job to job, this is what many, many people do. I don't like it here. I, I, I'm, I can't. So just, just jump. Going from job to job, hopping. I'm not saying there is no room for you to uh, jump from job to job. Let me, let, let me revise that. I'm not saying that, it's, that every time you jump from job to job, there is something wrong with you. But wisdom is that sometimes we need to evaluate, why is this happening in my life? Because what he's saying is, if you keep jumping from one place to another, there is some unfinished business that hang, hangs over you. Because God is doing some deep work within your own life and shaping your own character. But if you keep leaving before that can be done, you keep leaving, keep hopping from church to church. You keep running away from marriage to marriage. This is what will happen. That pattern will continue. So he says there's a wisdom in which you need to deal with life. And the way to deal with life is know that you're submitting to God. That you're accountable to God, not to your boss, but to your God. And you don't need to keep your boss accountable. God will keep your boss accountable. So therefore, you and I need to know how to respond biblically. And the way to respond biblically is this. God says, don't be in a haste to go from his presence. In other words, don't go and keep challenging the boss all the time. Why? Because finally, the, the Bible actually says here in the second part of verse 3, it says, for the king's word is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is that word? That means you can't ask the king, what are you doing? What? what it means is that king has the final say. So at the end of the day, when the matter is settled, when a decision is arrived, know that you need to understand that the boss is responsible, the king is responsible and answerable to God. But I, my response is that I need to learn to submit and to follow. And that is exactly what he's saying. Now, in this way, this is the wisdom way. This is the way of the wisdom. But you and I, we need to take this one thing in our, in our hearts. When you disagree, how you disagree with your people in authority displays your spiritual maturity. Because many times in life, there will be disagreements. You know, I've been married to my wife for almost 20 years. We love each other so much. And we know each other so well. And we love everything about each other. But the key thing is, just because we are so close, we are very intimate, we kind of think the same way in many cases, doesn't necessarily mean there are no disagreements that will arise in our life. 
but knowing how close you are, you still disagree. That's why I'm saying that there, there will be disagreements in life, but you got to know how to respond in the midst of disagreement. One of the principles I share in the church very often with my leaders is you can disagree, but never disengage. Let me say that again. You can disagree, but never disengage. That is exactly the wisdom that Solomon is saying here. Don't disengage. Once you leave the presence, it's very hard because if there's an unfinished business, there's an uncrossed bridge in your life. Because there will always be people with whom you will have disagreements, no matter what the workplace is like today. So listen to me carefully. He says, De develop this attitude. That's why in this house, we always teach you the SPO principle, isn't it? When you're going through a situation in your life, never ask the question, how can I deal with this organizationally? Oh, at workplace, I have this challenge, so I need to find a new job. That's an organizational decision. Don't make that decision. Always start with the S, which is the spiritual. Go before God and say, what is God doing in my life? Or secondly, what is the devil trying to stop in my life? That's a spiritual question. Once you understand what God is doing sovereignly in your life, then you take the second part, which is the personal. How do I respond? How does God want me to respond in this circumstance? And once you do that, you go and ask the third question. How does he want me to organize this better? See, when you come and ask the directional question first, you don't realize that God is not finished with you in that place. He doesn't want you to leave. He wants you to stay. He wants you to build. He wants you to participate. And because he's doing some deep work in your life. So this is important. So one of the core things he says in verse 3, go with me to verse 4. Verse 4, for the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him what you're doing? Ultimately, it's the king that is responsible. So in any situation, the God, God will hold the king responsible. But your response and my response is to come and in a spirit of submission, walk in spirit of wisdom. And the spirit of wisdom says, guard your spirit, walk in submission and cultivate loyalty. That's the third thing, cultivate loyalty. Can I take the second part of verse three? Look at second part of verse 3. It says in verse 3, Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. Do not take a stand in evil cause. When I read this, I realized what, he, what Solomon was saying is, there will be times when you're disagreeing. Human nature is that you go and stand and find other people, you know, in a, in a, in a company maybe near the water cooler, or it could be the uh, canteen where you're sitting down having lunch and you bring other people and you start talking and, and you kind of sow in a seed to say, this is what I'm feeling, and then find people who are like that. And I always notice this. Birds of the same feather flock together. The water will always find its own level. So if you're critical, you will find someone else who's also critical and you will all flock together. And this is exactly what he's saying. Do not take your stand in an evil cause. Why? Because God is keeping king responsible. You don't need to respond like that. Keep your spirit right. Don't become a gossiper. Don't become someone who goes and, 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 and corrupts other people's spirits. So be a person who is called to be a peacemaker. Isn't that the way of wisdom? The way of wisdom is that you and I are called to be peacemakers, that we are called to bring the kingdom of heaven wherever we go. Follow the model of Christ. And in this case, he says, do not take a stand in an evil cause. How many church splits could have stopped if people know that they should not take an evil cause, stand for an evil cause? How many people will still be in the same place of employment if they knew that they need to stand in that spirit of submission, walk in that humility, guard their own spirit, cultivate loyalty, they'll continue to see the fulfillment of God's promise in that place. Listen to me carefully. My, maybe you are asking me this question, but pastor, does that mean that I submit at all costs? That means I just allow whatever happens, happens. No, no, no. Wisdom teaches you a better way. Look at the next verse. Verse, verse 5. This is what the Bible says in verse 5 and verse 6. 
we're talking about Solomon's five principles of how you relate to authority in your lives. One, he said, guard your spirit. Two, he says, walk in submission. Three, cultivate loyalty. Now, fourth one, he says, exercise patience. Look at this. Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. I want you to circle that. The wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Look at verse 6. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. Twice he repeats the same thing. What does he say? There is a proper time for everything. And there is a just way for everything. Listen to me carefully. Wisdom will always ask you to be patient. Exercise patience. Why? Because there are matters that are, doesn't necessarily have to be addressed so urgently. Listen. It may be important to you. But in the scheme of things, it is unimportant. So sometimes when we are so preoccupied with self. Sometimes we are so, where we are invested in our ego, in our pride, and, and, that, and that kind of stubbornness and the unwillingness to submit and change and comes in. What happens is we want things to be done now. And sometimes it could be a, a righteous cause. It could be a right reason why you're feeling like that. It could be because you have a heightened sense of justice. And I know Asian people usually have a heightened sense of justice. So we want justice done quickly. But can I humbly say this? Wisdom dictates that there is a better way. There is a way of patience which waits for the appointed time and which does things in an appropriate manner. And this is what it, the Bible says here. You've got to learn to follow common sense. Don't just keep jumping and doing things just because you wanted to get it done. There is a proper way and a proper time. So this teaches me that I need to learn to respond rather than react in circumstance. Because the way of wisdom is that there is thought behind it. We have taken time to think through things, pray through things. And then in the light of scriptures, we come before God and respond biblically. So listen to me carefully. Don't react in anger. Don't react in frustration, but rather respond in peace. And keep that same composure in your own spirit. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful part. For can, can I humbly say this? I know in situations uh, where people are going through a conflict in a relationship. Usually that conflict starts with a misunderstanding. That's usually the origin of many conflicts. There is a misunderstanding. And if you don't. And if you don't make sense, if you don't try to resolve it in that sense, it will lead up to being disagree uh, disagreements between people. I want you to listen. Don't allow anything to become a disagreement between personalities. Let it be a disagreement on principle, not personalities. When you, when you become, when it's a disagreement between personalities, become too personal. Now, I'm not just unhappy with what you said, but I'm unhappy with you. So now it becomes more personal. We are called to love people. And we are called to love people as a pastor in the same church for nearly 20 years. God has given me only one mandate, to love people. And when I talk to pastors, pastors always say this. There are people in the church who cause trouble. There are troublemakers in church. Can I humbly say this? There are no troublemakers in the church. There are only people who are wounded and hurting and people who are healthy and healed. That's what it is. Wounded people will wound other people. Hurting people will hurt other people. So as a pastor, as a leader, one of the things I have to do is not react to everything that people say. Not react to every circumstance that arises. We need to respond. And when you're responding, that's the wisdom way. The way of wisdom is respond in love. Respond in compassion. Respond in prayer. This is another principle I give pastors. We're not called to manage people. We're called to minister to people. Manage the system that you have in your place. Manage the systems in the church and keep the systems fluid and healthy and dynamic and let it continue to grow. But minister to people. Minister to the heart. 
So I want you to take these three things down. One is there is a conduct. When you see a person's conduct, you always ask this question, is this the person's character? That's the second one. When you see the person's conduct, it gives you a window of opportunity to know their character. But beyond that, sometimes good people out, act out of character. So we got to ask this most fundamental question, what is the condition of their heart? So if when you see a conduct, ask yourself, is this their character? And if this is not their character, what is the condition of their heart? The moment you discern the condition of their heart, you can minister to the people. So learn to minister to the hearts of the people. And when you do ministry like that, one of the beautiful things that happens is you know how to deal with misunderstandings. I give you a principle that I follow. And this is something that I have encouraged other pastors to follow. This is what I call clarify and verify. Verify and clarify. It will work in a marriage. It will work in a conflict between husband and wife or between two believers or between oh, in a workplace environment. What is verify and clarify? For verify, you go to that person and ask them, is this what you said? I just want to verify. Is this what you said? And once they have said, this is what I said, then you clarify. What do you mean by what you say? Because it could mean something else to you. It could mean something else to the person who came and told you that. But it could mean something entirely different to the person who said it. So ask them, what do you mean by what you say? When you verify and when you clarify, you can actually respond. Wow, that is how I saw it. But when you say that like that, oh, it makes sense. You can diffuse a situation like that. That's the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is you come before God and say, Lord, help me to learn how to be a person who diffuses the situation, brings the tension down, helps people to become peacemakers. Hallelujah. One of the questions that has always guided me in every circumstance is this. What is the loving thing for me to do in this situation? When I'm responding to a person, I go before God and cry out and pray and I say, Lord, help me to see them through the eyes of Christ. Christ died for this person. Help me to see the wounds that they're carrying so that I can help them and minister to them. And not only that, you come to a place where you really allow God to help that person. So here, what is the loving thing to do in that situation? So can I say this? Don't, don't just say, well, I don't agree with this, so I'm off, out of here. Solomon goes and says, no. There is a proper way. Learn to walk in submission. Cultivate loyalty. Guard your spirit. Not only that, he says, exercise patience. Now you may ask, Pastor, but there are matters that are very urgent that we need to deal with. Can I humbly say this? There are matters that are need to be dealt with, but you got to exercise wisdom. There is a difference between methodology and moral issues. What do I mean by that? Sometimes some of our disagreements with people is usually on how we prefer things to be. It is usually a preference. When it's about preference, don't, don't learn to submit. But when it comes to principles, there is a place for us to dialogue. That's why over the course of my life as a pastor, I've learned to have conversations with people. Not to, not, there, are, there are beliefs that we carry that we need to die for. There are beliefs that we carry that we need to defend. But there are beliefs that we carry that can be just discussed because you see things differently, I see things differently. We can discuss and learn to agree to disagree and still work together. This is the key. So you need to know, wisdom will dictate to you. You got to know the difference between what is, what, is, uh, uh, what is the two things that is compared here. Is it coffee and cocaine or coffee and tea? If it's coffee and cocaine, it is a moral issue. We got to deal with it. But if it's a coffee and tea, learn to exercise wisdom. Wait for the appropriate time in an appropriate manner. And not only that, walk in humility. Guard your spirit. Hallelujah. Five things he says. The last thing he says in verse 7 to verse 10. Keep the right spirit. He keeps the right perspective. How do you keep the right perspective? For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? For who can tell him how it will be? In other words, when you look at life, you don't really know what's going to happen in the future. There is an uncertainty about our future. We are not in control and we have no idea how things will work out to be. 
So therefore, when Solomon looks at this and he says, when you don't know how things will be, know one thing for sure. Look at the next one. Verse 8, he says, for no man has power to retain the spirit. No one has the power to retain the spirit. Spirit in this case is the word for wind. No one has the power to retain the wind. All power over the day of death. In other words, you cannot control wind. You cannot escape death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. You cannot be discharged from war. See, when, when Solomon is writing this, in those days, you cannot be not enlisted for war. If the king calls for you to be enlisted, there is no discharge. A story was told of a nobleman who went to the king of Persia. Persian king was actually waging a war between uh, Persia and Greece and, and uh, so all the young men were listed. So this noble man went to the king and said, I have a few sons. I'm prepared to release all my sons for the king's duty and to wage this war. But can I have one request that my eldest son be spared so that my legacy can continue, my family lineage can continue. The king immediately ordered the slaughter of the eldest son and displayed his body on the street when the troops were marching towards war to publicly declare even the noble son will not be spared. You have to be enlisted. There's no discharge from war. That is the severity of what Solomon is saying here. Three things he says cannot be stopped. Number one, you cannot stop the wind. Number two, you cannot stop death from happening. Number three, you cannot stop the enlistment for war. The reason why he builds these three things is because he's saying the fourth one that cannot be stopped, which is the wickedness will be delivered. The retribution for the wicked will happen. In other words, if you are living under a leader who is corrupt to the core and he is causing injustice and he is abusive and doing things, some, one of the core things that the Bible says here is develop the right spirit. The way of wisdom is God will deal with the wicked one day and he will not escape the retribution. I want you to listen to me carefully. Don't take matters into your own hand. Let God be the one who vindicates. Let God be the one who judges. And the Bible says here that the Lord will deal with those who are in authority. That's the whole point. So when you understand the perspective that God is in control and he deals with people in authority, then you can submit to authority. You can respond biblically. You can respond in a manner that pleases the Lord and you leave everything into the hands of God. We already saw from this text in verse 9, he says, yes, there are men under the sun who had been given power and with that power, they hurt another. But you and I, we need to know how to respond even in that situation. And that's why he gives you five key principles. Wisdom for how you relate to people in authority. Let me revise it. Number one, he says, you learn to guard your spirit. Develop a reverence, a reverence, a reverent spirit, a grateful spirit, a humble spirit, a servant spirit. Secondly, walk in submission. Don't take matters into your own hand. Don't escape from there. Don't, don't try and be hasty out of his presence. So cultivate loyalty. Don't take a stand in evil cause. Let God do what he has planned and purpose to do. But exercise patience, he says, the fourth one. Why? Because there's a proper time and a proper manner in which things ought to be done. So wait for that. But about all else, develop this perspective. The right perspective is God will deal with the wicked. He, the retribution for the wicked will certainly come. Verse 10, he goes on to say, then I saw the wicked buried. Wow. In other words, God will ultimately deal with the wicked and the wicked too will die. God will deal with him. So you and I, we need to understand this is wisdom way of life. So can I humbly say this in closing? That whenever you feel that you are in a situation that you're under a leader that is either corrupt morally or he's in a place where you have lots of disagreements, take this posture, go before God and say, Lord, how do you want me to respond in this situation? How do you want me to respond biblically? Why? Because there is a way of wisdom 
in which God will help you deal with your own self. Now, whenever I have been in situations like this, I've always gone before God and cried out. And the Lord had always pointed things even in my own heart that I need to let go, I need to die to, and I need to transform. Therefore, take this opportunity if you're going through a tough situation at workplace or in a family environment. Come before God and say, Lord, how do you want me to respond biblically? And give me the way of wisdom. You know, our model is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says when he was 12 years old, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 and verse 52, when he was 12 years old, he already knew his purpose in life. He was very clear that he was about the father's business. But then the Bible says he was found teaching the teachers in the Jerusalem temple. But when his parents came and said, what have you done? Come with us. He immediately, the Bible says, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Son of God learned to submit to his earthly parents. He is the one who created them. He's the one who knows the end from the beginning. They don't even know what will happen tomorrow. But he knows everything. And yet, the Bible says, he submitted to them. I want you to pay attention to this. When you learn to submit, the next verse happens. He increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with men. The son of God had to grow in wisdom. Son of God had to grow in stature, increased in stature, favor with God and favor with men. Why? Because he cultivated a spirit that is submissive. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible says about Jesus. The Bible says Jesus, though he was a son of the father, he learned obedience through what he suffered. You learn obedience through what you go through. God brings you to a place of helping you to be broken from your pride Stripped of your self-reliance, shattered in your self-will. He allows you to go through that powdering experience for one reason. So that you can learn submission, you can learn obedience, and you can learn to glorify God. And to edify men. And to respond biblically in every circumstance. This is important for us. So if you are in a church, can I humbly say this? Learn to deal with uh, difficult relationships, even in the church environment. In a godly manner. Especially if you're dealing with a person who's placed in a position of authority. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will give an account one day. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would not be of any advantage to you. Can I humbly say this? Don't. Take matters in your own hand. Let God deal with things. So learn to obey and submit. Why? Let them do. The leaders who are placed over you, let them do it with joy. Because one day they're going to give an account. And if they are not enjoying, they're not joyful in, the, in, the, in having you with them, can I humbly say it will be of no advantage to you. What a, what a poignant thing for us to consider. That why this is so important, the way of wisdom in how you relate to authorities in life. When I think of this scripture, I think of only one thing. I find this in James chapter 3. And in James chapter 3, I'm going to finish with this because I find this parallel scripture in the New Testament. Solomon writes and says, who is like the wise? And now he says in, verse, in James chapter 3 and verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show works in the meekness of wisdom. Verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Right there in these two scriptures, I find the first contrast that James places. James is a writer. I've done a whole book series on the book of James. Nearly 12 messages that is available on the internet. But I want you to listen to me. This is the wisdom principle. The wisdom principle is he says here there are two ways your inward condition could be. And he places the two contrasts. One, in verse 13, he says 
you show your good works. How? In the meekness of wisdom. In the meekness of wisdom. There's a gentleness. There's a meekness. There's a humility within your inward posture. And when you carry that inward meek spirit, that humble spirit, that reverent and grateful and servant spirit within your heart, it will show up in your good works, isn't it? And that is the way of wisdom. But if your inward condition is not filled with meekness, the verse 14 says, it is filled with what? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, pride, ego, what I want, being driven to get what I want. I, if I don't get it, I'll grab it. Listen, those things come from an inward posture of heart that is not right. That's the first contrast he places. How is the condition of your heart? The second thing, look at this in verse 15. He goes on to say, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. That means this wisdom not comes from above, but rather it is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. There is a wisdom you can live by. That is from earthly, unspiritual and demonic. And James says, don't live in that. Earthly means it's carnal. Un earthly means it's not from heaven. It is not godly wisdom. It's, it's the earthly wisdom. It could be the street smartness, cleverness, intelligence of a human being. But then he says, unspiritual. That means it's definitely not glorifying to God. It is carnal in its way. Thirdly, it is demonic. In other words, it gives room for the enemy to play havoc. So listen, are you operating from which source of wisdom? One that comes from above or one that comes from the earth? How will you know? Look at the next one, verse 16, he says, but the wisdom for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every wild practice. How would I know that I'm operating from an earthly wisdom? When there is a jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder. Is there disorder in your relationships? Then you're operating from an earthly wisdom. A wisdom that comes from unspiritual, demonic realm. Listen, and there is an every evil practice. But if you're operating from a wisdom that comes from above, verse 17, it says, first, wisdom that comes from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And verse 18 goes on to say, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Listen, at the end of everything that is said by the wisdom that comes from above, there will be peace. Peace within and peace without. There is peace within you so that you have harmony within your own self. You are rested and peace with everyone around you. Therefore, you have harmony in your relationships. Ask yourself this fundamental question. How do I respond in my situation? How do I respond in a biblical manner? Can I humbly say this? Follow your master. Your master says, this is the way of wisdom. Hallelujah. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death that through his death, he made the church look glorious. Imagine how it, your marriage will be if you develop that mindset as a husband. I want to die to make my wife and my family look glorious. Wow. Die to yourself. Die to your ego. Die to your pride. And apply wisdom into your life. Every head bow, every eye closed all across this place. Father, I pray for each and every individual that is watching me through this video. I pray that they will seek wisdom in the situation they are in right now. No matter what has been done to them, whether it's an injustice that's been done to them or whether they are in a situation where people who need to exercise godly leadership have abused that position lord i pray in the name of jesus that you guard your people give them grace to be guarded in the spirit help them to understand how to respond rightly in a godly manner today we humbly bow before you lord we repent of our own pride we repent of our own ego we repent of our own sense of justice and wanting to take matters into our own hand. We ask for your forgiveness. Help us to be guarded in our spirit. Help us to walk in submission to your word and to your authority. Help us to recognize that God is sovereign in my life and he will do things at the right time in an appropriate manner. So therefore, I respond rightly before God. 
So help us, mighty God, and help us to cultivate loyalty in the relationships that you have placed in our lives. We give you all the glory, the praise, and the honor. And above all else, I pray that Jesus be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name, and the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. If you are going through something and you need prayer, our prayer team are always available for you. So do contact the office. Do contact the people in your life groups to ask for prayer and let the Lord minister to your heart that he will heal your wounds and give you grace to overcome all the situations in your life. God bless you. I want to pray the prayer of benediction over you. Receive this. The Lord bless you and Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. Go in his peace, church. Shalom in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen and amen. Shall we give the Lord a clap offering? Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you for watching, everyone. And we trust that you enjoyed the service. Please do take the time to leave a comment below or to take your next steps with us. Go to connect.idmc.com.au. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on our Facebook pages for all the latest sermons and content. God bless you, everyone, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you for listening to our message. We pray that God's word spoke to your heart and gave you an inspiration and encouragement. If you are truly blessed by this, would you take a moment to leave a comment or give us a rating on the Apple podcast service? Not only that, take an opportunity to share this on social media platforms so others who are in similar situations may be encouraged with the word of God. We love you. If you want to connect with our church, go to connect.idmc.com.au and share with us where you're from, what you're doing so that we can keep you in our prayers before the Lord. God bless you. 